0: Namotasa Bagoat or a hato sama sambuddhasa Namotasa Bagoat or a hato sama sambuddhasa Namotasa Bagoat or a hato sama namang sangham namasami <clears throat> One of the ways we commonly experience uh, kind of dukkha suffering or angst, uh, other than just the, if you like, level of physical pain or emotional pain, but a kind of almost existential suffering or stress, is around whole uh, issues of doing, doing things. Uh, you yeah. know. Sometimes we feel, oh, there's so many things we've got to do, or it's worn out, you know, because the number of things we seem to have to do, many of them not even really classified as doing, you know, it's like you've got your job, but then you've got to keep your house tidy, and you've got to look after your body, you've got correspondence, you've got your whole kind of social domestic structure to keep tweaking and and, uh, preening and messing around with to sort of keep it in some sort of shape, and uh, and so on. And then, if you like, there's also a, a sort of nagging feeling of something not quite right in the heart. So do try and do something about that. Cheer up, brighten up, calm down, um, something. Spiritual path, something or the other. Do something about it. And we can also feel... Um, quite impotent, you know, in all sorts of things, we just think, well, what can you do? Uh, life's like this, world's like this, people are like this, and you feel this feeling of, you know, glum, resignation, not exactly a dispassion, so much as a, oh, well, <laughs> uh, you know, sh- on shrugs and just bears with it, and, but this is not, we couldn't call this a uh, End of suffering, it's just uh, (laughs) when it's no longer railing against it or fighting against it, it still feels doesn't feel particularly joyful or released. So there's a kind of sense of doing and can't do and so on. Mm. So, quite often when we come to look for release from suffering, can we just kind of stop doing and having to do? Wouldn't it be nice just to, stop all this doing and uh, I feel comfortable mm. yeah but it's uh, it's not quite as easy as that mm. So if we, because when you come to meditation maybe it's a chance to just sit still and be quiet, peaceful nothing to do right now it doesn't take more than a few Seconds sometimes before things start coming up, and there, you, there you are re- rehashing the past, uh, planning the future, recycling the old worries and doubts and grudges and memories and cravings things like this. So it's only in a whole quite a busy space, emotionally busy, psychologically busy. Then we're sitting here; it's still very busy. So and uh, they're the kind of um, you get the, another sense of impotence you don't know, have to do anything about it you know, you think well I'll just kind of relax and let go and so you kind of let go for a little bit and then it sort of comes back again it you comes know, spasming your mind seems to go through these spasms like the weather comes running, rolling through uh, and, and uh, so it's not quite a matter of not doing because um, not doing isn't that easy. As a, so, what the. although not doing may be, in a way, one way of describing the culmination of the process where you actually are completely comfortable and completely restful and peaceful, and there's, you know, there's no volition, no push, you know, and so you feel really at ease. But the way to that is through a particular kind of doing. Mm. You know, it's, it's not so. And to, so, to, so you can't really start with not doing. I mean, you can start with the certain things you don't do. <laughs> you know, like you're sitting still or you're walking up and down, you keep a determination to limit the activities, ones that one can limit, ones one has some choice over, one chooses to say, limit this. And we choose, perhaps, also to pick up and brighten up this. We make certain choices about what we do. Yeah. Uh, and so this is... Uh, and then, really, what you begin to be on the lookout for is to really understand uh, how how the mind is and how you can begin to refine those choices that you make it can more subtle, more intelligent... more reflective, so you you see there's certain ways you can kind of angle your attention or change the quality of attention itself till it begins to become uh, itself um, these spasms, these involuntary activities start to die out because the mind is in a different mode so if you like there's voluntary activity which we have some choice over you know, we can sit or we can stand, or we can walk, we can speak, or we can be silent, we can eat, we can stop eating, we can drink, we can stop drinking, we can, you know, keep some, some sense of ethical sense, so we refrain from killing, stealing, lying, and so forth. And actually the threshold of that voluntary involuntary may be different. You know, when you get addictive habits, suddenly there you are doing it, you know. You said you wouldn't, but there it was. So it's, it's not exactly a clear line, particularly around speech. You, know, you can find yourself coming out with some kind of slightly barbed comment. You think, oh dear, <laughs> where did that one come from? <laughs> you kind of hear it just as it's gone out. You know, oh no, dear, and you know you're going to get something back for that one. <laughs> but you kind of didn't really mean it. But you, you, you know. So so there's a sort of let threshold between what's voluntary and what's involuntary. But, you know, it's also the case that even involuntary actions, you still get some effects from, you still get some feedback from. You know, you're still going to experience results of them, either because you say something and it gives you results in the external world. Or at least you feel and you think something or some mood comes up. You have to sit in the, the toxic quality of that, you know, or the joyful quality of it. But often the involuntary stuff contains a lot of these things we've really not been able to be very clear about. That's why they're so involuntary, you know, they're they're uncultivated, they're unclear about. So we find ourselves going through doubt, or going through worry, or going through remorse, or going through, you know, um, aversion or bitterness, you know, these things that kind of sit there and stew, Um, And you think, oh, stop it, stop it. There it goes again. Mm. So if you like, there's, there's voluntary and involuntary actions. Actions are very, using a very broad term, they're activities, voluntary and involuntary activities, and they all have effects, and you have to experience those effects. So in a way, the idea is that if we could actually you know, get that threshold of, of voluntary to really cover the whole, so I actually have some choice, or some way of of being able to refrain or, or, or not have to, you know, so that these, these toxins are cleared out, you know, so when actually uh, you're, not, you're not overwhelmed by these involuntary activities, then, you know, ah, oh, okay, now there's nothing to do because there's not this stuff happening. Now I can relax. Yeah. And you can't relax unless this level of involuntary activity is actually cleared. Mm? Because it's always going to be something you've got to be on guard against. Because it sweeps up, takes over. So this sense of really, how do we purify? Hmm. Now, this may seem like a kind of big job, but but what you begin to recognize just in just in this extremely significant activity of meditation, where at least you can, you're refraining from a number of things when you cultivate, you're refraining when you meditate, you, you're definitely determining to um, to witness. That's an activity. You know, it's a subtle form of activity. actually watching, attending to something. You're attending internally, not looking around the room, thinking about the furnishings or so forth. You're actually going to attend. So you're determining to turn your attention in a particular way. Now that that is a sort of karma. There's an action there. Shifting your attention. Um, you may very well we, you know, have a sense of really, uh, right now, there isn't, I'm not really going to try to think about the future or solve my problems or, you know. So so you, you're making some determinations. And this very important action, you won't say the, the kind of basis of meditation is you're turning the mind around. So now you're reflecting on it. Means we call it coming into the present. And realize the mind has another direction when we turn it to the present. Normally, for an un- person who hasn't cultivated, the mind is just a zigzag line running forwards and backwards. It's just do 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 do. On to the next thing. Think of the next thing. Go to the next thing. Remember the past. It's just a zigzag line moving in time. When you turn it around, you realize the mind is not that. It's actually more like um, a space through which these forms move mm. so this is you know when you come into actually coming to the present moment you reflect upon it you, you can witness all these energies and forces but actually instead of you know running forwards or running back or, bec- or uh, becoming that and really you know putting all your efforts into that the mind is taking a different direction instead of forwards or backwards it's, it's opening actually opening the mind. It's got another direction. So we're listening, you might say, to totally colloquial term, we're just listening, witnessing. Now that's a that's a very significant shift. Because in that, you can quite, it becomes very obvious, cause and effect becomes obvious. This is, this is the, say, the fundamental learning place, is opening the mind into the present. Because now, instead of, you know, an uncultivated person does something, and as, just as the effects are coming in, they go on to the next thing. So you never really learn, because you're always moving ahead you know, of the last effect. You say something and you go on to the next thing, next thing, next thing. So you don't actually stop and really witness the effects of that particular um, speech or action. Just people behave, isn't it? You know? So, you know, killing animals for fun. You know? you stop and actually look at that. Think, wow, that's a horrible thing. You, know, you look at this creature dying, it doesn't want to die. You just shot it for no... Didn't do you any harm. You know, but, but, you know, you can only do that kind of thing when your mind goes on to the next thing. as oh, we'll cut it, skin it, have a trophy on the wall, look nice, have a drink afterwards. You, you don't actually take in the fullness of the consequences of what one's done. Yeah, you know, so That's a very dangerous way the mind can behave and uh, we, can, my, we can do that human beings can do that certainly, without really knowing what they're doing really knowing the fullness of what's happening so to come into the present moment where we, you know, widen your span of attention over the impulse what the impulse feels like and the results of that your violent impulse, uh, loving impulse, um, forgiving impulse, uh, generous impulse, uh, cruel impulse. Yeah, so you actually widen your attention. because You're not going anywhere right now. You just want to f- feel the fullness of what's happening in y- the weather of your mind. This is a very significant activity just to do that. And it's the basis of wisdom. Because in that, without being told, you begin to get this learning of, oh, that feels bad. I don't want any more of that. That was not nice. Ah, I feel some ease here. You begin to learn what's skillful, what's unskillful. There's no way to learn, really, except this way. I mean, you can adopt things, you can be told things, you can be, you know, praised and blamed, punished and rewarded. But the real deep learning has to come from this sense of opening your mind in the present. This thought, you know, what does it feel like? Where does it go? What does it do? What does it happen when when I follow it? What does it happen when I step back from it? What does that feel like? and so you're you, having some choice you're making perhaps the most the choice that we may be able to make most often which may not be to not think or not have a mood or emotion but now we can make the choice to witness it, open to it rather than act upon it and that's the basis of cultivation it's often a basis that itself is uh, not that comfortable because we experience quite a lot of ragged stuff happening, um, chaotic stuff, um, crazy stuff, you know, happening. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, based upon a sense of. But what what comes with that, and what is based upon, is a sense of faith. You know. Confidence in ourselves, confidence in awakening, there is an awakening, but almost fundamentally co- some confidence in ourselves, you know, whereby you, you bear witness to yourself. Hmm. That requires faith, yeah, because you don't really know, and it doesn't seem to be doing anything. So there's a sense of a move, move into the unknown. What would be the results of this? You know, I'm just witnessing, I'm just wait, awakening to it. So to do that requires a kind of sense of faith in yourself, faith in the path, faith in, if you like, the Buddha, the awakened one, who said this is where we start, this is what we do, this is the right way, this is good. You know, Faith because other people are doing it, companions are doing it, and people are progressing because of this. So you get a sense of, yeah, I'll, I'll dare, I'll try to uh, just bear witness to myself. Yeah. Open up. Stop running away from myself, from my shadows and pains and craziness. Mm. It is an act of faith because in some ways, you know, it's it's quite a challenge not an easy way out So you know who can do it So oh, I couldn't do what you I couldn't sit around like you do all day just doing nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not yeah it's not but it's not because it's easy <laughs> you yeah. Mm-hmm. this is the first thing, is opening the mind and realizing the mind's a different direction, it does open it is not just the running forward or running backwards or running to and fro it's an opening you know. and, the, and really to to in, medit- in the cold, ongoing cultivation you actually tune in not just to all the, the, the weather that's running through but the fact that you're opening you know, just tuning into the sense of, of opening and taking that theme like I will tr- I will bear witness to myself and I will incline towards an openness both in terms of the span and the attitude. You know, I will not be judgmental. I will not be impatient. I will not have these kind of contracted, Tight-fisted uh, attitudes towards myself. I'll be generous, <laughs> and this is uh, where you begin to really start to cultivate. Mm. As you see, there is a these are these things like patience and compassion and loving kindness and um, generosity. Yeah, these are a the kind of doing that's that's quite subtle, and it's not something you can just. Uh, you know, say now I would do it in a, in a in a in an ordinary way, but the very quality of opening and having faith means there's some sense of of um, what opening means. Are actually bigger than this? You know, I'm actually bigger than the mess of my mind I'm bigger than all my strategies and psychologies and fears and doubts I'm bigger than all this because I'm opening to it because of that courage and faith is courage then as I open to it now I can start to really respond to that and the first response must be I will not respond to myself with malice I will not respond to myself with um, guilt I will not respond to myself with demand I will not respond to myself with harshness, so I'll put aside those. Instead, the response will be, "May I be well," or at least refraining from these these harsh states, because it's these these responses, if you like, are the kind of the real nub of the karma that leads to suffering. How we continually mess ourselves up with this this. Uh, intolerant, narrow, contracted way of responding to our experience in the present. So you can't really sustain meditation or just being open unless this this more beautiful responsiveness starts to come around. Gradually you begin to sense that and we lose it, we get mean, we get tight, we get punchy, we get violent, we get depressed. And every time you know, just be a little kinder, a little slower, you know, more patient. And so it starts to it be inducted. Mm-hmm. So like this, this, and as a kind of, you understand what happens because there's a kind of quality of doing which is much subtler than just. Uh, Going in there, swinging and figuring out, and fixing it and sorting out. There's a much subtler sense of doing. It, it begins to come, kind of, uh, I could call it a suffusive quality. As the mind opens, we also recognise one of the one of the uh, features of of the mind as it's opening, as it's coming out of that kind of more linear state, that more forwards and backwards, contracted state. Is, is actually is suffusive. Which means that a particular kind of suggestion, rightly placed, kind of, kind of, it sends a ripple all the way across the mind, all across this whole field, this whole space. So, you know, if we send a suggestion of of uh, remorse, suddenly we become filled with that. You think of one thing, you know, that you feel guilty about, and the whole mind becomes kind of soured and and shivering, you know. And then you send one thought or one intention, one wish of uh, forgiveness or loving kindness and the mind begins to that spreads across the mind. So it's got this suffusive quality where the whole of the of the space you open up begins to take on whatever particular intention you establish. This is where it becomes very important to to get in touch with intention, mm. which is the root of action. Mm. So, you, but your intentions are on a you might say an emotive level. Just to begin to resonate some some uh, these qualities. Um, and there are three principal qualities. First is. Um, non-hatred, or which is loving-kindness, you might say, that which provides some sense of nourishment, like, you might say, almost like imagining feeding, you know, or suckering, or, um, you know, actually nursing something that feels hurt, you being that this kind of suggestion. And the, and the second is um, protecting or non non cruelty. Instead of the beating yourself up attitudes, we get the refrain from that, not protecting, guarding, karuna, compassion. Sometimes called compassion. So you can kind of kind of can feel some of these, uh, uh, you know, vindictive attitudes. Coming up, you see, just just come out. Re- you can feel that, relax out of that. Protect yourself from that. And the third is to be able to let go, renounce, give up, relax, drop. You know, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. You know, and you can actually just pull the plug on things, which is the third. And it's it's a kind of development that becomes more possible as as your mind becomes more soft and pliable. But probably for most people, there's a lot of need to just make the mind soft and malleable um, with kindness and compassion. Then it's rather like the mind comes out of its frantic state or its panic state or its rigidity or its set views because it's actually being warmed massaged, uh, um, kneaded, you know, softened. So it it suddenly is not so stiff and fixed. Uh, So just as one, in fact, would, you know, um, look, train uh, an animal, you know, you don't start telling it to do this and do that. First of all, you make friends with it. And as you do make friends with it, it actually listens. It wants to do he wants to be with you, you know. So, you know. so this is a really important thing to begin to actually suffuse the mind with uh, this kindness, compassion, and actually then the renunciation or letting go of things becomes much more uh, kind of natural because you you have the, the capacity to do that. And it's rather like, oh, I don't need to do that, and that's enough of that, you know, because it's easier, it's more easeful to have less stuff going on. Mm. Uh, the what is important in this is is the is the recognition of the suffusive quality of the mind, and then that, that cultivating uh, suffusive suffusiveness in the mind so it's not just a kind of crude doing it's uh, it's uh, invoking so there's a sense of some how there's a progress you can't suffuse the mind unless you open it you can't actually won't do that unless you open the mind. So that it depends upon the initial act of faith as we open then bearing witness, which is where uh, mindfulness comes in. Mindfulness is the ability to just bear something in mind, To stay with it, stay on track with it. And you may you know pick up a particular theme like just being present or just mindfulness of the mind, mindfulness of the body, you know, so you have a particular theme. You just stay with that, and then whatever's rolling through, as you as you hold that frame, you just bear witness to it, let it roll through, and uh, and you kind of keep keep the frame in mind. What is very helpful in and it seems to be the kind of a main the, the entrance, at least in the, the, buddha's practice the way the buddha set it was mindfulness of the body because mm. then when you, you begin to be more aware of the body on a you like just on the level of you might say your nervous system you can feel yourself tense up you can actually feel yourself relax you can feel yourself tightening up because you mindful of the body you may even feel particular parts of your body which seem really quite contracted like across the top of your chest is very common. If you're sort of tight up here, or in your throat, or in your, around your forehead, or in your abdomen, or it may change from time to time, think, wow, what's that? Um, and this is where you begin to recognise that the, the mind is not really, not separate from the body. They're both using the same nerve endings, <laughs> you've only got one, one sort of nervous system, So when a a harmful impulse runs through your mind, it runs through your body. And your mindfulness body means you see that the sense of cause and effect in your mind is not just creating purely mental or even emotional effects, it's also creating bodily effects. As we quite easily recognise... In strong cases, like when we're angry, we tense up and tighten up and heat up. And when, we're, uh, more, when we're enjoying ourselves, we tend to relax or open up. We get excited. Body kind of gets more zippy and so on. <coughs> when you feel very sad, it tends to slump. Depressed, you feel the language, you know, the weight on my back. Uh, you're a pain in the neck. <laughs> so so these do these, these are reminders that the the your mind is actually in your body as well as in your head and in your heart the whole thing is, is one system so where this is a very useful piece of of understanding is because you can begin to tackle these some of these very uh, involuntary psychological and emotional habits by going to the bodily sense of them and the beauty of that is is that there's no story in the body whenever you come back to one of your the psychological, emotional type places, you go there and it's the kind of wounded or the bristling or the how dare they, and the story starts you know, after all you know I never, I never, I can't, I won't and this thing goes on and, uh, you know, and it's amazing how much energy is in the, the, those things. You can start the same old story. Mm. So, actually, once you get in there, then what happens is the very tone of that story then infects the mind. So, you actually suffuse the mind with, uh, with resentment, or doubt, or worry, or bad feeling. So, it, it's, you're not actually getting out of it. So, this is where you know you're at this kind of hinge point in meditation where you can be sitting there and actually just re- reinventing yourself, you know, rerunning through your whole script again and again, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and actually losing the sense of meditation. You sit there and just kind of go through the story again. And again, and again, and again. And right, rightly speaking, you're stuck. You're stuck because you're not actually coming out, because you're not actually moving on from that. Um, we've come to this involuntary level where we don't want to do this, but there it is. So one way of doing this is actually to to stay with, in a way, you, you know, you stay with the the bodily effect of that and try to actually focus on that, how it feels in your throat or your chest or your head or your shoulders and and then the sense of really suffusing suffusing the body with uh, these qualities of kindness, mindfulness and investigation and persistence, <coughs> you know, a sense of really staying with it, are where we begin with meditation, Then you get three other factors which come in, in the ongoing process, which are rapture, and uh, calm, and concentration, or composure, or being in a, in a steady state. And these are you know, which is slightly different. This is a different kind of tone to these. And the hinge point is this ability to suffuse, because suffusion is where we get gladness and we get rapture. We get, rapture means you feel buoyant and uplifted. Hmm. Rapture is the sense of it's no longer me doing it. There's something, I'm lifted up by you know, this suffusive positive quality. This is a very important uh, um, skill in meditation because it, it means we can rise up out of the story of our suffering, and in that rising up, you you actually begin to to work the in you know the, the story out of your body and out of your heart and out of your mind. And it depends which way it works. You know, some people tend to work with their minds or their way they think. But the, it must, must cover all three. And certainly, one uh, way of doing it is just to start in the body beginning to open up in the body, relax in the body, brighten in the body, release in the body, find out where the, the defensiveness or the armoring or the tension is in the body, and just to be there in those places. Uh, bearing witness to it, to, to the physical or the somatic feeling, and in a way, um, regarding it with the mind of kindness. One of the significant features of, of cultivating a mind that suffuses you actually using the mind in a, in a different way than we normally do. This is why these, these qualities like rapture can be sometimes frustratingly difficult for people. Yeah. because we, we always use the mind very much as a kind of scrutiny vehicle normally, you know, you look at something we call meditation watching the mind or watching so when you watch something you, kind of, you, know, you pinpoint it and you get a focus on it like that so this is the way we very often use the mind almost like a, a, an aspect of the, of the eye of the physical eye it, it witnesses, it finds objects that's that, that's that, that's that, that's that, that's that, and then we maybe add them up, subtract them, rights, wrongs, we analyze, we define, we discriminate, use the mind like this, kind of very much to, to differentiate and hold particular objects. So when you start to meditate, this faculty can be quite useful because you begin to differentiate, okay, this is a feeling, this is a sensation, it does this, it does that, but you don't get that, doesn't give you rapture where is the rapture going to happen I can't see it right now where is it gone how do you get that one going what do I do to make it happen and that's exactly the thing that stops it <laughs> it's, the, it's not it's just that the whole mode of mind has to change from being the kind of object definer into being the blessing bestower hmm. Now, we can do that. You know, we don't necessarily think of that in meditation, but the sense of where um, loving kindness and compassion are such, I think, crucial and and interwoven features in, in body meditation is these. We, we use the mind in, in a kind of blessing way, in a wishing way, not in a not in a wishing. I want you to do this, but that that's wanting, but wishing may. May you be well, just relax now, just take it easy, Uh, blessing, bestowing. And something we can probably do to other people or animals, you know, dogs, goldfish, whatever. And we don't know, you know, we, there's no problem with that. You just see, you think, it's so cute, or whatever. It needs me, and therefore it happens, you know. It's kind of suffused all over it. And you turn that that thing round to this one, you know, the mirror, and it's, you don't suffuse a bit. <laughs> it says, what do you like? How good did you do? What's your performance today? Why are you like this? When are you going to be like that? <laughs> it's to- totally unsuffusive. It doesn't suffuse a thing. As soon as the me comes in, you know, the self conscious bit, the mind shifts and it's so, so instinctive because your whole sense of self is based upon a definition, isn't it? Self is the result of scrutiny. <laughs> the sense of self, for most people, is the result of turning a particular quality of scrutiny onto the mind where it's I am this, I'm not this, I should be this, I want to be that, I am this, I was that, I did that, I'm going to do this tomorrow. It's all those kind of activities. That activity is what generates the very sense of what we think ourselves as being. So then you're in this kind of um, you know, cul-de-sac, this catch-22, where I, it's impossible for me to bestow anything upon myself, it doesn't work like that, you know. Because the very me comes out of a kind of non-bestowing attitude. <laughs> do, you ever, do you see what I mean? You know? It doesn't have to be that way, but this is, if is the default most people. Just notice what it, what it happens just to be seen and looked at. You come, you know, you can feed yourself under that scrutinizing eye, you know, and you kind of contract, nervous, and probably do something. you know, for no reason at all, really, apart from just being under scrutiny. Suddenly, the whole system, the mind starts to contract and get nervous and panic and should do something but make myself want more help you know all right really just relax calm down something be, you know, what's going on you know <laughs> it's just the result of a particular function of attention and uh, so you get to see that actually the mind doesn't have to operate like that all the time that's you know that's that's useful for object definition but it's terrible if you want to do Loving kindness suffusion and rapture. So the the rapture actually comes out of uh, you know a sense in which you are certainly you've got your frame of reference. So you'll be breathing in and out of the body. It doesn't have to be that kind of tight. <laughs> and there's a certain sense of of. Um, Ease and grandeur that comes like with that, um, you know, like just recognizing breathing happens, or the body's just happening. So you step back from it, and then there's a sense of collecting all, all the, the 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 qualities of of goodness, the faith, the generosity, and just really taking them into your body, just as if you're you're kind of sitting in a bath of it. Now, there's a certain sense of activity there but it's it's much less to do with object definition of subjective feeling feel the goodness feel wherever you feel the goodness tune in wherever you feel the release tune in whether you feel the uplift tune in whether you feel the diminution of stress we're not going to start at kind of sh- ecstatic bliss you' can start a where do the banshees calm down for a moment, you know, (laughs) that bit. (laughs) So, (laughs) oh, yeah, hey, oh, yeah. And so you you tune into that thing, and you start to take that as your signature tune, and then that's the quality that you begin to, to pick up, tune into, and it's this skill of suffusion, because your mind will suffuse with any particular tune you tune into, so don't tune in to the bum notes you know tune into the symphonic stuff the the lyrical the rhapsodic and that's then you're gonna get the effect of that mm. this is this is uh, crucial both in terms of its effects but also the learning see the the gives you a different understanding of mind we might you know the very word mind in English is is not that great because it generally refers to this kind of scrutinizing, analytical faculty. We might talk about heart, or spirit even, or soul. Whoops. (laughs) Well, if you can have soul music, I don't see why you can't have... Doesn't imply some kind of immaterial entity, but just this sense of being a bit soulful with yourself. And to get back to our original theme, the the uh, beauty of this is as as the mind begins to loosen up, one area of its doing, it's doing a lot less in a way. Doing a lot less on the analytical, discriminative, moving forward, making things happen. It's just starting to to sit back and, if you like, invoke, suffuse, tune in. Mm -hmm. So it's a collecting that occurs because of that. You become unified around that. This is what uh, concentration is. concentration is not actually... An activity—it's a—it's a result. It's a state, a result of this subtle form of activity of a unified suffusiveness. You begin to just feel really settled and comfortable, and in that, the the whole. Um, you know, quality of what you're experiencing also shifts because the barrier between mind and body begins to dissolve. You know, the body begins to dissolve as a kind of, you know, you don't, you don't experience this kind of um, lump of meat with, with various voices running around inside it. You, know, you, you get into something that's not exactly body, not exactly mind, just more like a kind of quality of, of bright energy. There's a unification of body and mind um, around. uh, So this is where what we mean by concentration. It means this coming together, this unification of the of the body energy and the mental energy and the emotional energy. So it becomes a kind of uh, sensitive and full. um, So because of that, you know, the mind settles down because there's nowhere to go. Why go anywhere? This is good, and uh, this is this is all the suffusion. And you see how suffusion is is a necessary prerequisite for release. You can't exactly do release, release, and yet it is something that happens. It happens as a as a consequence. Of 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 um, suffusion and, and concentration, it happens as a consequence of that. In that, just in in that very state, there's certain things that are no longer issues or necessary, so you, they, they drop off, and release. Because if you're contented where you are, you don't, haven't got a lot of outgoing activity, so that releases. Because you're fine where you are, um, you're not trying to plan anything for the future because. You know, you're satisfied in the present. You're not rehashing the past because that sense of regret and remorse and uncertainty, that's that's been cleaned out. So there's a release on this level. And a release from the normal configuration of our minds, which is very much a time-bound, self-bound kind of uh, experience. I am this going here. And that is a release from that. So in a way, release is a doing, and yet it's a doing that that finishes the doingness of our lives. Those are two... Kinds, because you know, in some ways you get a release which is just in the meditation. You get a sense of things part, dropping away and let, letting go of things. But the more profound kind of release is actually through bearing witness to that and seeing that you know you don't have to be who you think you are. In fact, you know, you can you can if you like consolidate. Uh, you can settle in. Uh, you know, a reality which is not uh, of that particular linear self-object nature. So you take this, the that reality. Whenever we come back to it, very much more in a kind of um, relative sense. You're not so convinced by it. You're not so taken up in it. And the various issues that come up with that uh, issues about security and future and what do people think of me and what I'm going to do with my life all don't seem to make much sense anymore. <laughs> They don't have the same bite to them. <laughs> so you, you've actually, you know, removed the basis for those kinds of, of um, psychologies and attitudes. You actually remove the basis of them. So you have a different view. This is so. This is what release is about, mm-hmm. and it is. Um, what's called equanimity we might say is the mark of release the seventh factor of awakening because you, you, the mind is very open it's receptive and yet it's not pushed, driven, pulled back contracted, pushed forward it's just very even there's a groundedness there so cause and effect yeah. There, there is a sequence And the the process goes from the sequence goes from um, having that act of faith to bear witness to come into the present. We begin in that coming to present. We both come into the present, and we begin to realise the the, the domain of the present moment. Hmm. Only the mind opens and the present moment although it sounds kind of inviting when it, you be present be here now wonderful you know the beauty of the present moment well you know my present moments aren't always that beautiful really <laughs> being present with them is beautiful it's true but they're not they're sort of really quite banal um, <laughs> Because in the present moment, yeah, you're present, but you're witnessing the cause and effect process of your mind, what you've inherited, and these kind of energies that want to do something about it or about something else. You know, So you're witnessing this this sort of tangle of stuff. Some of it's not dramatic, some of it's a bit messy, some of it's whimsical, but there it all is, these kind of potencies, uh... So that's the, the first level, and really with that, to, the emphasis on really understanding almost what's happened to the structure of the mind is to recognize, yeah, but I'm being present with this, even though it's a tangle. There's a sense of bearing witness, and what it is to bear witness, the the <coughs> dignity of it, the um, and the confidence that comes from that. You've got to tune into those particular themes, not tune into the the, the the tangle because then you end up thinking about it and trying to sort it out and reacting to it but just tune into the fact that there is the knowing of this this is this is subtle see a subtle inclination of the mind and how do how what is that act of knowing is it just the kind of uh-huh yeah rising passing so what or it could be a little bit more amplified with a sense of, of benevolence and, and well-wishing and gladness. And, well, you know, this is some suffering here. You know, well, let's be a little bit kind and compassionate. So the, the witnessing is fuller. And then you, you experience the mind as something that can bless. Um, uh, and... Um, So you're beginning to realise a different nature of mind, and the mind, the mind begins to bless you. That in itself is the beginning of release, because you're coming out of the grip of what we assume ourselves, what we assume our minds to be like. We're coming out of the grip of the habits with which we normally perceive, attend, recognise ourselves. And this is, you know, maybe the most significant bit. I'm talking about, where the encouragement, if you like, on the mental level is to is to recall your own goodness. You're um, stumped already, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I think. uh, And when I was on retreat in Australia, I was trying to re- think, oh, I must have done something good in my life, and I couldn't think of a single good thing. Actually, I couldn't. Nothing. I think there's a single good thing I'd done in my entire life. Oh, well, surely I must have done something good. Yeah. Nothing could come to mind, couldn't into mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I just happened to have a. Uh, I happened to have a, 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 a CD of, of, of Ajahn Sumedho's talks, and I played this CD and I listened to this talk. And, oh, I remember that talk. And I transcribed that talk and I edited it and I put it in a book. Ah, oh, I did something good. <laughs> 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 yeah. But it was what was surprising because I thought, surely, come on, I must have done something good. The fact that I couldn't think of anything, you know, that's and that to me was a kind of revelation of just, I know I've done something good. Why on earth can I think of it? Because the mind, scrutinising, my scrutinising mind can never do that. You know, it always goes to, um, you know, it takes a real effort for it to do it. I've got to really look around. Then I kind of think, yeah, I patted a dog. Okay, doesn't sound that good. I, um, I um, swept the corridor, it's sort of coming up, trying to come up with something, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. all the, 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 what I really find valuable actually comes from a different place. You know, it comes from something that doesn't seem to be doing anything at all. Just natural giving and loving, and you know, and looking after things, and be, being you know, those things don't seem to come from a, a me place. They just kind of happen. I don't feel I'm, I do anything, you know, And so it's something that comes. So sometimes we have to really um, to to recollect your oh goodness. It's almost like changing your mind around um, to to just detecting. In the present moment, where your sense of, of, um, of um, generosity is, your sense of non harming, non violence is, you can least think the bad things you didn't do. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, quite a lot of those. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, this is why, in a way, this kind of rather negative language often in Buddhism, you know, the non-harming, non-violence, non-attachment. You know, it's hardly jubilation, is it? But (laughs) it's something you can get to. I didn't kill anybody today. You know, I might have felt like it, but I didn't kill anybody today. It's something you can get to. I can't say, you know, I saved lives. So it is it's not it's not great poetic language, but it's actually pragmatically it's extremely useful. It's just the think of all the bad things you could have done and that you didn't do. <laughs> it's giving you a kind of handhold on on coming out of the the grip of the um, of the scrutinizing, demanding mind, self conscious mind. You know. We've kept the five precepts. I didn't steal. You know, didn't kill. Didn't sexually abuse anybody. Didn't drink. Mm. Just kind of feeding into those, and there was something good there. Something good there. Trying to detect the sense of honor, the sense of of ethical truthfulness, ethical foundation sense of having made a choice and chosen to, you know, that which felt ethically straighter, purer, cleaner, you know, more skillful. You made that choice. So you can't just cultivate that much and you begin to feel a sense of self-respect. So, you know, loving kindness in its fullest sense has to be based upon purity of conduct because it's there's where you can really turn the tide of of um, of the way you regard yourself, you know, on, get some respect for yourself, and from that, that which can respect you can also bless you and release you. It's all based upon this, you know, foundation of goodness. Something you can definitely do precepts and then acknowledging the goodness of that and you know beginning to tune into that it has this very powerful effect without this the path does not really begin at all with it if you just keep tuning into the right thing it starts to roll almost not exactly effortlessly but just you kind of incline you tweak and you push and you but it's actually rolling in the right direction it's rolling towards release Mm. but to stay on the ball is the important thing so offer this for your reflection Mm